Thank you. It's a great joy to be back. I celebrate with you the fact that now there are two campuses. The last time I was here, there was one, and now there are two. And uh, we just are thrilled to see what the Lord has done. Can you say amen to that? And so just thankful for the expansion of what God is joining together in this great city. This is one of the places when people call us and ask us, do we have any relationships in Pittsburgh? This is one of the main places we send people to. Somebody came up to me a while ago, and they said, I've I've seen you on TV before. I said, I think so. So uh, if you don't know, we are on on five times a week national TV. We are on Impact Network, which probably broadcasts on about every, uh, it's on Dish, it's on Direct, it's on Comcast, Xfinity, uh, Charter, uh, AT&T, U-verse. We're on Mondays at 4 o'clock. In the afternoon, we are on Saturdays at 7.30 a.m. and Sunday mornings at 5.30 a.m. We are on GEB America, which is out of Oral Roberts University, on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. in this time zone, and today at 1.30 p.m. And they tell us our audience potential is about 2.1 billion people, so that's a lot of people to touch. So uh, if you can't get any of that, you can go to our YouTube channel, and uh, you can watch us on demand anytime you want to. So uh, it is good to be here. We're thankful to be a part of these folks. I said, you know, you've been around for a while. I was telling them last night when I'm preaching for guys who weren't even born yet when I started preaching for their dads. And I've got a few of these young pastors that I'm preaching for. I think I'm glad I treated them right whenever they were growing up because now they became senior pastors and they call me pops. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I felt like the Lord dropped some things in my spirit this morning. I just want to look at what time it is so I don't be too awful long here this morning. But I felt like the Lord was, has been saying some things to me in the last several months even about healing. So I want to talk about healing this morning a little bit. Just believe maybe that the Lord will heal some folks this morning. I really don't know what your needs may be, but I I, I sense that there's such a need not only to know about God, but to experience Him. I don't know about you, but that's really a a cry in my heart, is I don't want to just put Him under a microscope and know a lot of stuff about Him. I really want to know Him. And really, when you know, one of the things that's happened in the revelation that God has given me, especially concerning His grace, that He's not a God you need to fear or stay away with. He's He's a God that you really can draw close to, who's really interested in having personal, intimate relationship with you. So many things I could say to you this morning, but one of the things that the Lord really dropped in my heart recently in seeing God through the eyes of covenant was when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He really wanted to have a personal relationship with all of them. He said, I'm going to make a whole kingdom of priests out of you. I could see God almost excited for the first time. He's thinking, I'm going to, they're going to be to be a people. I'm going to be to them a God. I'm going to have a personal relationship with my people. I'm going to make a whole nation of priests. Everybody is going to have access. You know, I sometimes think God is so anxious to have a relationship with us, he can't hardly wait till I get up in the morning. Because he's kind of like, Lynn, Lynn, wake up, let me tell you this. And I'm like, Lord, you told me that at 2 o'clock last night, but could you just let me sleep a little longer? But how I many know he really does want to have a relationship with you? But the people had a concept about God. And they saw God as they saw Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh was a god to them. And the people said, you know, when God came down on the mountain, and he, the, 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 the mountain was all together on a smoke. And I mean, this awesomeness came down on the mountain. The people said to Moses, we're afraid of him. You go talk to him. And whatever he says to you, we will do it. And if we do it, it will be our righteousness. And the people forfeited a personal relationship with God for a mediator system. And God said to them, if you don't want to talk to me, then send Aaron and his sons up, and I'll make a priesthood out of them. 
But how many of God wanted to have a personal relationship with everybody, but because of their false concept about God, they saw him as Pharaoh. They they said, you know, uh, it, it is evident that God talks with men, but why do we talk to him lest we die? And I'm thinking to myself, what pattern did they really have to think of, you know, when you see the face of God, you die? Because Moses had seen him at the burning bush, and he's still alive. They're the people or the offspring of Abraham, and Abraham had a relationship with God where God would stop by his tent before he ever went to Sodom and Gomorrah and said, should I hide from Abraham the thing I'm about to do in Sodom, seeing he is my friend. Not only my friend, he's my covenant partner. Come on, somebody. But how many know that their misunderstanding of God made them afraid of God? And here's something I heard the Spirit say just in my spirit this morning. He said, perfect love casts out fear. And then he said this to me. He said, faith works by love. So how many of you know your love, your faith goes to another level? And I so appreciated what Pastor Chris said when he said this morning, uh, you know, uh, God who spared not his only son, but freely gave him up for us all. How many know God didn't spare his own son, but freely gave him? He said, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? So if God loved us so much that he wouldn't spare his only son, what makes us think back that he would hold back any good thing from us? So I started thinking if perfect love cast out fear, then perfect fear casts out love. When we preach a God who you're so terrified of, then what happens is we don't love him, we're afraid of him. Come on, somebody, help me a little bit. But I love what you sang this morning, and I want to say this morning in compliment, man, this wasn't just a song service, this was worship. And some a lot of places anymore got three songs that are just song, but no worship in the place. But the presence of the Lord is in this place. And when you worship and magnify Him, and you get intimate with Him, heaven comes down and God begins to manifest. And these kinds, because faith works by love. And the more we preach the love of God, I think the more that we see the miraculous of God demonstrated. I'm reminded as I think about that, if, you know, if perfect fear cast out love, I mean, that's the opposite of it. If we don't, if we don't understand, he loves us. Not he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. I hope I die when he loves me. But the deal is he loves you. He loves you. He can't stop loving you. He's like Forrest Gump. He'll take you back with all you got's one dying breath. The stupid is what stupid does. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But he's, uh, somebody said, well, no, if you sin, God will leave you. Well, he didn't leave Adam. He chased Adam out of the garden and said, where are you? As a matter of fact, God is a stalker. Anybody besides me ever try to run from him? And you found out, you know what? Where can I go? David said, if I make my bed in hell, guess what? God will be there. And he wasn't talking about the other side of the grave. He was talking about the situation. Sometimes we get ourselves in right in this present life because, see, the gospel is not just about how I get from here to there. It's about how I get what's happening there to operate here. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done in the earth. God wants to give us the best life on the planet, the abundant life on every level. Hallelujah. I haven't got to a text yet, but I'm thinking of the disciples when they got on a boat to go to the other side. And the wind and the waves began to get tumultuous and the, the seas began to swell. And the Bible said that Jesus was in the back side of the ship and he was asleep. Now see, first thing that would have clued me in, if he, if he ain't upset, 
Come on, somebody. Then maybe what I need to do is do what he did, enter into rest and just go take a nap. Come on, somebody. Because if he ain't upset, it's a pretty good sign that we're not in trouble because he told them, get in the boat and go to the other side. But they went and they, they woke him up. And this is what they said to him. They, they, you know, they woke Jesus up and they said, listen, Lord, and this is really what hit my spirit. They said to him, don't you care that we perish? See, what was behind, we don't know if you're going to do anything here is. We don't know if you really care. Come on, touch somebody say, he really does care about you this morning. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. The scripture, matter of fact, the scripture goes on to say that he even takes our tears and puts them in a bottle of remembrance. Every tear you've ever cried, God cares about you. Hallelujah. Something happens when you realize he does care. And when, we, when, when Jesus came up out of the ship, then he begins to speak to the winds and the seas, and they obey him. But the issue of their faith was, he began to rebuke them of their faith, but the, the bottom line was, don't you care? We doubt his love sometimes. He's a good, good father. And so I really felt like the Lord began to stir my heart even, uh, let me just take a text here to start this morning, uh, Luke, the fourth chapter. Uh, I was just reading this. Uh, I've, been, I've been in the woods hunting a little bit. This is my time of the year to kind of come off the road a little bit. Actually, this is the last place I'm going to preach this year except maybe at my home church. But we travel all the time. Planes, trains, and automobiles are my life. I wake up and think, where am I at? What country is this? What time zone is this? Where's the bathroom? But this is my season to kind of be off a little bit. And I have a cabin in the mountains, and I was actually there till Friday afternoon until I came so I could come up here yesterday. I am an animal lover. I hope you're not, uh, I hope I don't offend animal rights people, but I love animals. I love them fried. I love them cooked. I love them stewed. I like, <laughs> I should be, I'd be, I apologize if you're an animal lover. <laughs> But while I'm sitting in the woods, many times I'll just kind of grab my iPhone and start reading some scripture. And this really began to shout to me. Verse 16, Luke 4 said, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And, his, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. How many know sometimes there's some good customs? First thing I just want to say is sometimes it's a good custom. To make it your practice to be in the house of God. I think there ought to be a kingdom priority when he says in Matthew 6, 6, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Then all this other stuff is added to you. There's something about getting your priorities in order that begins to set some things in motion. I don't know about you, but I've got concern this year because I I see such a a lack of... uh, desire to be committed to local church or to family, you know, and when I think about it, I'm not just talking about some legalistic thing, I'm just talking about, you know, I was raised, you know, in church, and it didn't hurt me. Somebody said, well, I'm not going to make my kids go to church. Well, you make them brush their teeth. You make them go to school. You know, you might, you might need to make them go for a little while, and then it might catch on after a while, you know. Because I think there's something that happens in the house of God where there's something that's built into us that, you know, we're seeing a society that's coming up that what used to be good is evil 
And what is it used to be evil is now good. It's almost like things have flipped over backwards. But there's something about what it puts in the life of your family and your own personal life, the sense of community, caring for one another, the sense of loving each other and being a part of something, to me is still a good custom. Well, that was passing comments. Hallelujah. As, as he said a while ago, one of the things we say at our local church is what you don't support goes away. And once they're gone, sometimes they don't come back. And that's with your time, your talent, and your treasure. But Jesus was headed to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up for to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place written where it was written. Now, before I read this, I want you to see that, uh, seven, I believe it was 700 years before this, the prophet Isaiah, if I could just use a little poetic liberty here, this is how I would see it. The prophet Isaiah got up on Sunday morning, and he's going to head to church for his Sunday morning service. Just, I'm trying to put it in terms of how we'd see it. So he gets up, and he's going to go to McDonald's and get his cup of coffee and his biscuit and, you know, meal deal while she's putting her makeup on because she's always late. Oh, y'all don't want to help me preach in here. And while he's going through the drive through getting ready to get his cup of coffee, the Holy Ghost hits him. He gets that, that jerk on him, you know what I mean? You ever feel that? Feel like something hits you here down at the bottom and the middle won't move, and the more you fight it, the worse it gets on you, you know. It's like you get that Holy Ghost jerk on you. And the Holy Ghost says to him, when you get to church this morning, I want you to preach. And tell him a virgin's going to conceive. And have a son, and his name is going to be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Probably, see, that's why pastors got, uh, you know, coffee on their shirt or tea, because that's what you get that jerk about Sunday morning when God starts talking. That's about stuff to say. But see, when you get under the power of the Holy Ghost, you feel like you're ten foot tall and bulletproof, and then you, you go preach that, and your wife says, you know, uh, why'd you preach that? You're thinking, I don't know, man. When I was under the Holy Ghost at the morning, it felt like I was ten foot tall and bulletproof. And I got home, I thought, why did I say all that? But Isaiah gets up and he prophesies. You know, he, I, I can see him pull in and get Miss Isaiah, and he's like, she said, he's, well, the Holy Ghost just spoke to me, babe. She said, well, what did he say? He said, to tell the people a virgin's going to conceive and have a son. She said, you might all take the offering before you preach that. But he prophesies this. And next Sunday, this prophecy hadn't come to pass. He looks like a false prophet. Two months later, still no virgin, still no baby. He still looks like a false prophet. A year later, we're going to hide the tape. Come on, somebody. Uh, Years later, we're going to act like it never happened. But 700 years passes. Isaiah is standing in the balconies of glory. He has died and gone on. Come on, somebody. And Jesus walks in to preach his first public message in the temple. And he said, go get me the book of Isaiah. And I can see Isaiah say, and it came to pass. God will vindicate you sooner or later. Come on. And I can see Isaiah say to Ezekiel or Jeremiah, he's going to preach from my notes this morning. I wrote that. Come on, somebody. Help me preach a little bit. You might have looked like you was crazy to everybody else, but it came to pass. And Jesus is about to preach one of his first and last messages. Because he's not real received by the religious system. And he gets up and says, go get me the book of Isaiah. And he began to find the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach 
the acceptable year of the Lord, which is more than just a date. It was the year of jubilee or the year of the favor. In some places it says, and to declare the year of the favor of our God. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He didn't get up and preach some glad morning. One of these days, in the sweet by and by, he said, this day, this scripture, because he's declaring to them, the Jubilee is not just a day of the week or a 50-year celebration. The Jubilee is a person, and he's standing in front of you, and I came to release you from your bondage. Because, see, what would happen is every 50 years in, in Hebrew custom, you could not lose your inheritance forever. What would happen was you could only lose it until the year of Jubilee, and at the year of Jubilee, you got back everything you ever lost. I wish somebody come on help me preach this morning. I mean, in Christ, we got back everything we lost in Adam, and when he said he sent me to preach to the gospel to the poor... See, if you preach the gospel to the poor, they won't be poor anymore. Because what he's saying to them is, listen, the good news is, is I've canceled all your debts. I don't have anything against you. You don't owe a thing. I came to declare, come on somebody. I came to bind up the brokenhearted. I came to set at liberty them that are bruised. And he's not just talking to drug dealers and prostitutes on the street. He's talking to people who've been to church and been beat, browbeat under an old covenant system that kept on telling them what's wrong with them and what they're not and how bad they are. And he came to tell them, I got some good news. Because the gospel is not the bad news. The gospel is the good news. Hallelujah. And he said, he sent me to, to, to recover the sight to the blind, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised. In other words, he said, I came to heal the hurt of the human family. And you know what really began to ring in my spirit as I heard that in my spirit this week is, I heard the Lord say, listen, that's what I was sent to do, and I'm still doing it. Hallelujah. I'm still a healer. I'm still a deliverer. I said, Lord, I really would like to see more healing in the church. And I said, one of the things I don't understand is why we don't see more. And he said to me, one of the things is, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So preach on healing, because what you preach will manifest. Hallelujah. You know, I've preached the kingdom, and I've seen it manifest. I've preached grace, and I've seen people fall in love with Jesus. And I heard the Lord say, listen, what you preach manifests. And I, I just felt like it's a season when people need to be touched and physically healed, and they're going through things, and they need not just, not just external stuff, but internal stuff and emotions. And Hallelujah. One of the things that, you know, one of the trends that I've seen nationally as I've traveled all over this nation and all over the world is the opiate addiction and, and, and is one at an all-time catastrophe level all over the nation. And uh, one of the things I begin to see is that a lot of that has come from sometimes people who have emotional problems. And so they, they're masked underneath of some of the... So some, somehow we need some deep healing, not just in physical areas, but in emotional issues. And the Lord began, I'm just, I'm not going to turn to every one of these scriptures because I don't want to bore you with just waiting to tur- turn to scriptures because you know if I'm in the Word or not. But I heard the Spirit of the Lord speak to me from Isaiah 53, and He said, there's an order to this thing. There's an order to healing. And in Isaiah 53, it says, well, let's turn there for a moment. Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? 
And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no former comeliness, and we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Before I read this next verse, I just want to, because that's the next verse is the one I want to get to. I was sitting and the Lord said to me, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And when I think about the arm of the Lord, Pastor Chris, I think about the arm and hammer bacon soda box. It's where God rolls up his sleeve. I've been working out. And says, what do you think of that? So if God ever flexes his muscle, and I heard him say this to me. When I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said, my right hand and my holy arm got got me the victory. Now if you think back, God, when he brought them out of Egypt, smote every Egyptian god that would ever be worshipped. See, he didn't just randomly pick cattle. It was a god to them. He didn't just randomly pick the Nile River. It was a god to them. Uh, Pharaoh was a god to them. The flies was Beelzebub. Are you understanding where I'm coming from? And so what God did was he rolled up his sleeve, made bare his holy arm, and took on every god they had ever worshipped. So when they left there, there was no god like our god. Come on, somebody. I just want to preach God big because I want to create some faith in here this morning. And God said, I did that. With my right hand and my holy arm got me the victory. And then I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me like this. I did that with one hand tied behind my back. I whooped every God that men would ever worship and I did that. And he said to me, you have only seen my hand and my arm. Now I could preach a lot from that as well. But then I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, if I did all of that with my hand and my arm, what do you think would ever happen if my whole body ever got involved? Now, I don't know if you just heard what I said or not, but I said, how many know we're the body of Christ? If God did all that with his hand and his arm, what would happen if the whole body ever got involved? And so what I want you to see is what God, I believe, wants to do in the earth is not raise up another glow-in-the-dark preacher. He wants to raise up saints that are joints of supply that are going to begin to flow because the Scripture tells us there are many that are weak and sickly among us because we don't discern the Lord's body. And I know that has to do with understanding what Jesus did in his redemptive work, death, burial, and resurrection. But how many know we're the body of Christ? And in this body, there are gifts. And so many times they are oppressed or put under cover or restrained or we don't have time for it. And so we suffer in sickness and many fall asleep. And I think one of the problems, and listen, it's a multifaceted thing. And I think I'm going to be preaching on healing for the next probably several months because I really see in the Lord say some stuff. Is that when the body begins to function, he didn't stop. Come on, somebody. He didn't stop Binding up broken hearts. He didn't stop when he went to the cross. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm going to the Father. And I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is going to move inside of you. And greater works than these are you going to do because I go to the Father. But I'm going to send you another. I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. So the Holy Ghost 
It's not just in me. It's Come on, if that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. You are a game changer. You carry something. We need each other. There have been times when I've ministered when I was sicker than the people that I was ministering to. God healed. I'm thinking, God, why is that? He said, because I put stuff in the body and the body has to function. Hallelujah. I have a daughter-in-law who's a chiropractor. I have one who's a medical doctor. We just, the other one just graduated from chiropractic school. We took a picture together. I have a theological degree doctorate. I said, is there a doctor in the house? Took a picture of all three of us. I said, we can minister to you, medicate you, or manipulate you. Our, our motto is, we will fix you. <laughs> My wife said, now take a picture of me and the two boys and put, we're the smart ones, we married doctors. <laughs> But my first experience with chiropractic, I went, as a matter of fact, it was actually in Pittsburgh, and uh, the chiropractor said to me, hold you, take, take your arm and raise it like this. So I did. And he said, see if you can resist. And so, see if you can resist me. And so he leaned on my arm, and just a little bit, boy, man, my arm went down like a four-year-old girl at Walmart or something, you know. I was just like, boom. I thought, well, boy, that's weak. <laughs> And anyway, man, uh, he, he adjusts me. He just starts adjusting me. And he says, now, now raise your arm and see if you can resist me. Man, I, I can literally hold him up. And, it's like, and he said, see, the power and the strength was there the whole time. It just was out of alignment. Boy, the Lord took me to Ephesians 4 where he said that the fivefold ministry is given for the adjusting of the saints. Because the power is in the body. Oh, come on, somebody. It's just when it gets in alignment. And divine alignment, what's in the body, starts to function. See, what's really going to cause even a thriving in this church and in these two campuses is when joints of supply who fit where they fit, and usually where you fit is where you're passionate about. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? See, when you get people doing stuff they're passionate about, it's not a job to them. And then the power starts to shift where it needs to be in the body. And I'm so thankful for different giftings in the body that I don't have. And it doesn't make me mad that somebody else can do something better than me. As a matter of fact, I rejoice in the fact that there are different giftings in the body. And I think sometimes we've got stuff locked up in people that they didn't know was there. But the moment we give opportunity for it to be, be released, and so he was saying to them, the arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe the report. What report? Now, it's not just denial of the, you know, my daughter-in-law, who's the medical doctor, she says, you know, denial is the number one killer. And she said, you know, one of the things that we understand is that, now, we're going to give you the facts, but you still believe the truth. The fact is, you've got a problem, but the truth is, Jesus did something about it. Now, she, she does that even in her practice. And has seen some real miracles in, in, even, in, even in her medical practice. But I could say this, I'm, I, I know I don't want to be real lengthy here this morning, but... When she had uh, their baby, which is a few years ago, she, called, she you know, they, they had to wait until she was out of residency, of course, to have, have their first child. And so she was a little older at the time, and so she, she's in her first pregnancy. Everything's going great. The one day she doesn't go, her husband doesn't go with her to her, her uh, OBGYN is, is the day that uh, they find out she's in the first stages of preeclampsia. 
Now, I, I don't know what preeclampsia is. That's not my field. <laughs> but she, she does. And so when she called and she was distraught, she said, y'all need to go to the hospital. They're admitting me right now to the hospital. They're going to start giving me steroids to develop the baby because it's going to come prematurely. We, I'm in the first stages of preeclampsia. She said, call my mom and dad. Her mom and dad live in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, pastor there. And she said, tell them to start this way because within the next couple of hours, this baby could be born. And, I mean, I could tell she's distraught. So I walked in the room. When we got over there, I walked in the room. I, I get tore up thinking about this stuff. I walked in the room, and I said, we're going to turn this around. She looked up at me. She said, Dad, you don't understand. You don't turn preeclampsia around. I said, you don't understand. We're going to turn preeclampsia around. She said, listen, I'm, I'm, you know, I know the medical stuff. She said, you don't turn this preeclampsia around. I said, you're not the only doctor in the house. You stay in your field, I stay in mine. I don't want to know what preeclampsia is. Worst thing you can do sometimes is go to the Internet and find out what your next symptom ought to be. Matter of fact, when Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you pray, shut the door. Come on, somebody. Touch your neighbor. You need to shut the door sometimes. Because what happens is the door starts to open, and we just start to open the door to all kind of fear and all kind of doubt and all kind of stuff begins to come in. And when you need to pray, you need to pray in your secret place. And I could preach another hour on that. Hallelujah. But when you pray, you shut the door. Come on, tell your neighbor, shut the door. Act like you're talking to one of your kids this morning. Shut the door. Shut the door to fear. Shut the door to the next symptom. Worst thing you can do is get on WebMD and find out what's my... My daughter-in-law said, the worst patients I have is people have been on WebMD for 45 minutes. They know what drug they need. They're going to tell me what... And she said, I've been to school my whole life and I, they don't have cancer, they have a pimple. But how many know our minds are powerful? So how many know, sometimes it is, listen, Paul called it a fight of faith. Because sometimes it's hard to stand in faith, and I want to get to some of that in just a moment. But see, what report do we believe? It's not denial that I have a symptom, that I have a problem. What is the report we need to believe? What I need to re- believe is what he said next, because what causes the arm of the Lord to be revealed is to those who believe the report. What report is that? Not just denial that I've got a problem, it's the report of, he was wounded for my transgression. See, in other words, what he starts to do before he sets you up for healing is he starts to remove all the obstacles of your faith. Because the first thing that hits us a lot of times when we walk down a church aisle is not faith when we come to get healed. It's the last foul thing I ever did. Because the weapon the enemy forms against you is your sin, your problem, your fault. So Jesus said, here, let me just help you with that. I was wounded for your transgression. So your transgression is not the issue. I'm going to get to some things here this morning. Your transgression can't stop me from healing you. Second thing, I was bruised. I bled internally. See, a bruising is an internal bleeding. So the blood didn't just flow externally. The blood flowed inside to deal with all your hurt, your internal problems, all of your history, all of your pain that might even be causing your affliction and your problem that's never been dealt with. Jesus said, I can heal you internally because I bled inside to deal with all of your hurt, with all of your wounds, and with all of your bruising. The chastisement... So you could have peace was laid on him. The chastisement for your peace was laid on him. 
So he starts this whole, I start seeing an order here. Wounded. For my transgression. Transgression can't stop him. Bruised. For my iniquity. Chastisement for my pieces. Later. By whose stripes you are healed. I believe when they, but when they pulled him tight like a canvas on a stretcher, with every stripe that cut across his back, he said, there goes sugar diabetes. There goes cancer. There goes heart trouble. There goes, come on somebody, hallelujah. There goes every disease and virus known to humanity. There goes every, listen, he bore it on the tree. Hallelujah. Touch your neighbor, say, if it's on the tree, it's not on me. Hallelujah. We need to understand, see it on the tree. It It was taken care of at Calvary. And one of the things that I began to see was one of the issues that he deals with almost every time that he prays is he has to deal with the sin consciousness in the minds of those he preaches to to set them up for a miracle. Let me just show you this. I probably won't be able to get to too many of these scriptures this morning, but am I blessing you so far? Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. Straight many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Now, that's King James' way. I used to wonder what born of four was. I thought that meant he was born with four diseases, but he was actually carried by four people. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof. Say, uncovered the roof. Where he was. And when they had broken it up, say, broken it up. They let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Watch this, son, thy sin be forgiven thee. That's it. Hallelujah. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within himself, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your heart? Whither is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth, to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Now what I want you to see, first of all, is that they come to Jesus, and Jesus is in the house. Touch your neighbor say, Jesus is in the house this morning. Not only is Jesus in this house, he's in this house. See, let me just say to you, come, coming back to finish the story about my daughter-in-law, when I said to her, we're going to turn preeclampsia around, and she said, you don't understand, you don't do that. I said, we're going to, do, we're going to turn it around. Make a long story short, by midnight, the doctors came in the room and said, we don't understand this, but preeclampsia, 
is turning around. And by morning, they had released her. And she carried the baby full term. See, I think sometimes, listen, I think, I feel the Holy Ghost in here this morning. Your story is one of the most powerful things you have. Don't ever be afraid to tell your story. I was in a car. A man had gotten my book, Unforced Rhythms of Grace, when I was in Missouri. He asked the pastor if he could pick me up and drive me to church just to have a little time to talk with me. But the man told me, he said, I was, he said, I was dying of liver cancer. I was in the four stages of, he said, I drank myself to death. He said, I was just a drunk. He said, I was a drunk. And man, he said, I just drank until my liver was shot. He said, I was on a list for a liver transplant. And, and, uh, he said, uh, God just sovereignly healed me. He said, I wasn't even a believer. People prayed for me. God healed me. He said, I got up the next morning. My pain was gone. I went to the doctor. They ran all kind of tests. My liver enzymes, everything was normal. He said, man, I thought if God is this good, I'm, I'm going to church, man. So he, now he's helping the pastor out there to celebrate recovery. And I told him, I said, man, your story is the most powerful thing you have. If you've been healed, you need to testify about it. If God has met your need, you need to tell something. Because, see, that somebody needs to know. Not just a theory about God. They want to know somebody that's had a real experience. I mean, listen, I could tell you all kinds of stories about that. My dad had the top of his lung removed. And the Lord healed him and put the lung back on. And to the day he died, every time he went to a new doctor and they gave him an x-ray, they said there's something in there where that lung was cut off. He said it's a new lung. And they would not believe him. They'd run tests. And sure enough, he had a lung in there. Hallelujah. The lung literally came back. Saw T.L. Osborne, some of the miracles I saw, got to preach with him a number of times, and some of the most incredible miracles I ever saw, not just a chiropractic manipulation where you pull on somebody's leg, but legs grow out like that. That's real miracles. I believe God can turn stuff around. Do you believe that this morning? I think that, number one, we've got to believe God loves us. But see, here's the deal. Jesus is in the house. There was the press. They were coming out here from all day. And they bring to him one sick of the palsy, which is carried to four. And the Lord said to me about this this morning. I just last night wrote to some of this in my notes. He said, sometimes when you have a struggle believing for yourself, you need to surround yourself with some friends that are believers. Can you hear what I'm saying? He was born to four. These guys believe this strong enough that they're not going to take no for an answer. How many of us, have you ever been to a place where you had a struggle? But listen, listen, man, every one of us have been in a place where our faith was shaken and what we needed was somebody to carry us. That's why I thank God for the local church. That's why I thank God for the people of God. That's why I thank God for the moment. Sometimes, a lot of times, we'll feel like, you know, just get somebody on your heart. And we'll say, you know, I need to call them. I need to say, you know, and especially if you get that two or three times, don't resist that. Pick up the phone, call them, because right, you might call them right at the moment they need to hear from God. So many times we'll get calls even from our prayer lines on our television stuff. And my son Jason will say, Dad, I think if you call this person, I think it really means something to him. And I said, well, four, four would be the number. He, you know, he, he handles our phone, so he kind of knows, you know, which ones really are, uh, you know, really need to hear from me. And so it's amazing sometimes when I call them. First of all, they think it's a joke. There's no way that's, <laughs> there is no way you call me. I just watched your TV, you know. And it's like, yeah, that, yeah, right. Okay, who's playing this joke? And then they realize, <laughs> then they realize it is me, and it's kind of. And I don't think I'm anything special, but the reality of it is, you know, if God put him, put me on His heart, I believe He's going to heal me. Hallelujah! I'm talking about body ministry. I'm talking about character for one another. And what happens is something happens to your faith. 
And so he was born of four, and he was carried. Now, see, you've got to be seriously desperate, man, because you're not just going to come here and press through the door and say, excuse me, pardon me, can I get to the front? These dudes start tearing the roof off. But that really spoke to me, Pastor Chris, last night when I was reading the Scripture, because the Lord said to me, sometimes you've got to tear the ceiling down. I said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, the ceiling is the restraints we've set. It's the limitations we put on God. It's the ceiling of the house. And see, these religious scribes and Pharisees were trying to keep this ceiling desperately on this house by saying, who does this man think he is? Let's keep the ceiling here. Don't rock the boat. I have heard a well-known pastor say to his worship leader, we don't want revival in this church. It'll mess our church up. Because, see, revival gets messy. People start moving in the Spirit. Sometimes you get some weird stuff. But I'd rather have some fire than no fire at all. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, well, that's wildfire. Well, there's enough wet blankets to put it out, so don't worry about that. But the reality of it is, is that, listen, thank God for some fire. And sometimes when people are learning to move in the Spirit, it can get messy. Sometimes you got to tear the roof up. Sometimes you got to tear religious ideas down. Sometimes you got to throw the time schedule out. Sometimes you got to not put God in a box. Hallelujah. Listen, I understand about time and all that, but I think sometimes we we got to drive through, you know, mentality. I, I, I preach some places got thousands of people. You've got a 20-minute window. I could just about clear my throat in 20 minutes. And, I, you know, I'll do what the rules are. You know what I'm saying? And I preach a lot. And I think, well, I could either complain about preaching to thousands of people for 20 minutes or preach 20 minutes, you know, do what I can. But I, and I'm not, I understand where they're coming from, especially Sunday morning. You've got entry-level people. But somewhere we've got to get desperate enough for the move of God because we're willing to stay when my kid's getting healed. We're willing to stay when my mom's getting touched. Are you hearing where I'm coming from? We're willing to stay when the Spirit of the Lord's touching somebody else. And we're committed to that. So somehow, we got to tear the roof down. Sometimes we got to pull the ceiling down. Sometimes you just got to throw the program out and let God have His way. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, tear the roof off today. Stop limiting God. Don't put God in the box. What's some of the things that might be our shingles in our roof as well? God will heal me if He wants to. Well, He wants to. It's always His will. See, we've got all kinds of restraints. Hallelujah. Look, I'm, I'm telling you everything Jesus paid for for you. Well, I don't know if He'll use regular people. Well, He did through the Bible. And then Peter, and Peter comes along and says this. Let me, let me grab you this. because Hallelujah. We're doing good. Somebody grab this for me real quick, if you would. That way it will help me a minute. It's uh, Acts 3, verse 12. Acts 3, verse 12. Would you read that for me? Men of Israel, uh, men of Israel when, when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? He said, the man just got healed. Miraculously. And he said, do you think, why are you looking at us? Like we're glow-in-the-dark preachers, I'm paraphrasing. Do you think we did this by our own holiness or by our own righteousness? Do you think God did this because we're good? 
Or do you think God did it because he's good? And he goes on to say, we did it in the holy name of Jesus Christ, whom God raised from the dead and glorified by healing this dude. So every time God heals somebody, God gets glory. But I heard the Holy Spirit say to him, if you can't take credit for the healing, it wasn't you that did it. You also don't have to take the responsibility if it doesn't happen. See, we're always like, well, what if it don't happen? Well, what if it does? I've got a friend in Hawaii who's raised 22 people from the dead. One of them was a little girl, but in the morgue for five hours. He went and laid down beside her until she got warm. They were already making funeral arrangements. He comes walking out the hall with this little girl by the hand. Hallelujah. What do you say? I'm saying, well, what if it does work? Somebody's saying, listen, I've seen God raise two people from the dead from our ministry. And a dog. But don't bring your dog. Since I don't want to bring... I want to go into all these stories this morning. And I've seen some of them not get up. I prayed for a guy that was embalmed. He didn't get up. The two that weren't embalmed got up. But I gave the guy a shot that did get embalmed. I figure he don't got nothing to lose. I scared everybody in the funeral. But I got one pastor friend. He will not preach a funeral unless he tries to raise him from the dead. He won't do it. He has a deal with the undertaker. And the last one he did, he said, the undertaker called and said, Preacher, I got you on this one. He said, why is it? He said, I've already cremated him. He's back there in the bottle. And the pastor said, let me have a shot at him. He said, I went back there and said, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Why don't you get up and come back here and be with us? <laughs> he said, the dude didn't do it, but I gave it a shot. What are you saying? I'm trying to tell you that God wants to do some stuff, not just in church settings. He wants, And not just when your pastor prays. He wants to do it when you walk in the room and you lay hands on somebody. Or you meet somebody in a a restaurant or somebody starts sharing with you on the workplace of I've got a sickness or an illness, just tell them, listen, God's a healer. He cares about you. You know, somebody said, well, you know, they're not believers. Well, listen, Jesus healed sinners. How do you know? Because this man's sick of the palsy. The first thing Jesus says to him, he don't say, take up your bed and walk. He said, thy sins be forgiven And the carnal mind of the Pharisees went out of the safety zone. Who does this man think he is? To forgive sin. And I started seeing a pattern with these healings. Almost every place he heals. Not every place, but several places. He always says, your sins are forgiven you. Why is that? Because he knows that the hindrance to your faith is you keep seeing your sin as an obstacle. And he knows that if he can remove your sin consciousness, he'll set you up for a miracle. Hallelujah. Because he always says your sin is forgiven you. And then Peter said, do you think God uses us? Because we're holy or righteous or based on our own. Come on, somebody. The guys you watch on television. I know many of them. And I can tell you that these guys that you see working miracles are just like you are. They're just as human as you are, just as full of weakness as you are, just as human as you are. Just a whole lot more people know them. Matter of fact, one of the things my wife absolutely hates about television and all the stuff that goes with it is that people think we think we're different than them. That's not true. We have pain just like that. We have problems. We have families. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And we just learned something, man. God uses you even if you're an earthen vessel. And your weakness, the power of God, is still made manifest. So what we've done so many times is idolize these guys and say, well, they're just special and that's why God uses them. But I'm trying to pull that down because I want you to know God 
wants to use you. Am I feeling all right this morning? God wants to use you. Say, so, well, I've struggled. I've had sin. Listen, by sin be forgiven. He says in the book of James, even in the great healing scripture, he said, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Anoint him with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. And if he has committed any sin, see, he throws that right in, in the book of James in the great healing scripture. And if he has forgiven any sin, it will be forgiven him. Because the same atonement that paid for your sin also paid for your healing. That's why Jesus is saying, listen, which is easier to say? I hope I'm helping somebody here this morning. Say, well, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering because I smoked my whole life. Well, listen, I'm in trouble because I ate pie my whole life. We're all to shape or in, come on. And I'm not suggesting we continue to do that. Somebody asked me, can I go to heaven if I smoke? I said, I think you can go to heaven faster if you smoke. You'll get there 20 years too early and God will say, listen, you, you blew your lungs out. Hallelujah. And somewhere in the middle of it, though, you might get it. What I'm trying to get, I've seen God, the guy whose liver was shot from, God healed him. Why is that? Because God is good. And He's good all the time. And He wants to be glorified. And every time He manifests power, people respond not because they're afraid of Him. See, I think the days of trying to scare people into altars is over. But I think the day of demonstrating the power of God is coming on us where people can see this God is really real. He's not a theology. He's not a religion. He's not like the scribes and Pharisees. That's the ceiling on the house. But tear down the roof. Come on, touch your neighbor say, tear the roof off. Quit putting restraints on God. Put, 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 quit putting limitations on him. Hallelujah. And they let him down. And then Jesus turns around and says to the man, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And they were just amazed because he gets healed. Last but not least, let me just try to close. The man who was laying at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus shows up at the pool of Bethesda. And there's a man laying there. And he's waiting on the troubling of the water. He'd been laying there 38 years. 38 years. And the Bible said there was a certain season when an angel would come down and trouble the water. And whoever got in the pool first was healed. I've got a friend who is an archaeologist and, and, uh, uh, and does a whole lot of archaeological digs and stuff in, in, in Israel. And he told me that the, what would happen that troubled the water was that it was at the sheep gate where this man was laid. And at the sheep gate during the feast of Passover, when they would bring the sheep to sacrifice them, they would wash the sheep upstream from that pool. And then when they would cut the throats of the lambs, the blood of the lamb would flow into that water. And when it got to the pool of Bethesda, it would trouble the water. And I mean, that's powerful imagery there. Except Jesus walks up to this dude. And he is the true lamb of God. And he's the true, come on, water troubler. And he steps up to this man and he says, do you want to be made whole? Now, see, to me, that's almost kind of a stupid question. But the truth of it is, is sometimes some folk don't want to be made whole. Matter of fact, I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and a lady saw some miracles the night before that when I was preaching and people were getting healed, delivered, set free. She came up to me and she said, Brother House, she said, if the Lord gives you anything for me tonight, don't give it to me. She said, I don't want to get healed. She said, I just got my check from the government, and I don't want to lose my, my government check. And I said, well, that's the first, but if you don't want to get healed, I'll, I'll leave you be. <laughs> I thought, now, that's crazy. And I've also seen people, listen, who use sickness to manipulate people. It's their crutch. It's their way of getting people's 
compassion or, you know, somehow they've used that their whole lives to get people to care about them. And so they're always using this. Sometimes it's a spirit of infirmity that gets on people like that. And they just really don't. But see, he says to this man, will you be made whole? And I'm thinking, why was this man at this pool that long? You'd have thought he'd got close to the water and at least, you know, gave himself a little roll over and roll in the pool. But I thought, this is what the Lord said to me. He said it was because for 38 years he had surrounded himself with people who were just as sick, just as broke, just as bruised as he was. Sometimes you've got to surround yourself with some folk. Come on. Hallelujah. Who aren't playing into that which keeps you where you're at. Because the water trouble. And something happens. It clicks in your spirit that says, listen, my sin can't stop me. Go ahead and stand on your feet off this place this morning. My sin can't stop God from healing me. My transgression has been paid for. He sent him to bind up the broken heart. He didn't stop doing that. Jesus' mission on planet Earth was to reverse the suffering of the human family and to reverse everything that was lost in the old creation. Hallelujah. And to make all things new. And we are participants in the ongoing new creation of God as He makes His creation new. You hear me this morning? felt like the Lord gave me a word of knowledge this morning to somebody that's really especially having some numbness in their feet and legs, and especially in the bottom part of your feet. You notice it more at night. almost feels like your socks are rolled up underneath of your feet at night, and the circulation is not good. I felt like the Lord wanted to heal somebody with that. Is somebody in here that, that, that's had that kind of a feeling? Let, let, me just, let me just release some healing to you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Every nerve ending. Hallelujah, every hallelujah feeling of needles and, and, and uh, just circulation. Lord, the, the blood flow to flow in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Felt like there's some healing going on right here. I just felt like the Lord is touching you. Just receive from the Lord right now in Jesus' name. Come on, folks. Let's just believe that Jesus is in the house. The roof is off. No more ceiling to the house. The Lord's touching you as well, my sister, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you that healing is the children's bread. We thank you that you're a restorer. Hallelujah. And that it's on your account to do it. We receive. Lord, it's simply we receive this morning. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Felt like the lady back here this morning. Just with your hand up right here. I just felt like the Lord's touching your body. Let me have your hand a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, I release healing to you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I feel like several areas of your body the Lord's touching. 
I feel like one of the things you're going to notice is a difference in your breathing, even at nighttime. And when you sleep, your breathing is going to get a whole lot better. Your oxygen levels is going to begin to find a new flow. Hallelujah. We just release the, hallelujah, the miraculous to her body in Jesus' name from the top of her head to the soles of her feet in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're a healer. We just declare that what Jesus paid for that's released in the earth in your life in the name of Jesus, I say be made whole. We take the roof off today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, I sense the Lord touching you as well, sir. Just receive from Jesus. He cares about you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He cares about you. Hallelujah. He cares about you. And the Lord is speaking even some situations that the wind and the seas and the, the, the tumultuous uh, things that are blowing against you are going to begin to be reversed. And the internal things that God wants to touch and heal even into the deep parts of your emotions. Uh, hallelujah. God is touching you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we receive this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your touch, Lord. I thank you that you're healing right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Sis, I feel like the Lord's touching you. Would you just receive right now? Nod your head at me. Right here. I just feel like the Lord's touching you as well. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Healing is in this house this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Right beside you as well. I feel like the Lord's touching your body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Listen, lay your hand on the person beside of you right now, because I believe that's not just once again, if I just keep doing this and it's me that does it. You think, well, the evangelist. No, no, God wants to use you. Hallelujah. You might be one of the four that that carries somebody else's somebody else's bed, so to speak. But you got your hand on somebody. And you carry the presence of the Lord. All God needs is a vessel in the earth to touch people. You're a game changer. Right now, just speak a word. And if you listen, man, if you haven't been able to do something, try to see if you can do it. And man, I just I believe God is in this room to touch today. Father, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, the body of Christ is in alignment right now. And these joints of supply are becoming aligned, and the flow of the life of God is touching and healing right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I feel like the Lord's touching. He says, Jesus' name, hallelujah. God is turning some stuff around on your behalf. Hallelujah. Today, God is turning some stuff around. And there's going to begin to be some changes. Hallelujah. Some things that you can't fix on your own, but God can fix it. God's about to turn some stuff around. Hallelujah. I hear that song in my spirit. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's an old song, but boy, that just booms in my spirit. Everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. 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 I just, man, I feel the Lord in this place this morning, but I sense the Lord touching you, sis, and I feel like the Lord's touching you into the circulation and even into your blood and some things into your pancreas and the blood sugar levels that flow in your body. In Jesus' name, we release healing of Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can I just admonish you that as we leave here today, that we, you know, if you feel 
prompted when you're somewhere. You know, you don't have to make a scene. You don't have to be embarrassing. The lady that runs a restaurant I go to all the time, she just, when I came in back a few months ago, she had had surgery for cancer and looked like they got all of it. They called her and told her they thought that it had cropped back up and they wanted to test her within six weeks, and I could tell she was totally distraught. I, I normally would have took her in the back room, but at that moment she was beginning to weep, and I just took her by the hand right there in the restaurant. I said, we're going to believe God for a miracle. And I started saying some stuff to her about, listen, don't worry about your sin. Am I worthy? None of that, none of that matters. It's He's worthy. Grabbed her by the hand and began to pray. And people began to pray in that restaurant with us all around us. They began to weep and pray. And, and she gave it back to the doctor. And it was absolutely not there. It was a good report. Hallelujah. So let me just say to you, this is more than just something that happens in a church service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we carry the presence of the Lord. And Jesus is glorified. Hallelujah. When God manifests His power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I feel like I've obeyed the Lord this morning and did it pretty good time. Hallelujah. Let me say quickly, we have with us some of our books and stuff. My newest book is out there. We just released it this year. It's our latest book. It just came out in April of this year called From Law to Grace. A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. I think it would be a powerful book. I think it's probably the best one I wrote, but it's like the newest one, so I kind of feel that way about each one of them. But it's really about how we shift from law and legalism, but we don't turn just from law. We turn towards the government of heaven, which is the government of Holy Spirit. And the kingdom of God governs our lives. And it's a powerful book. I think it will bless you. It talks about how the kingdom is organic. It doesn't come from the White House. It comes from your house. So uh, that, that book is out there. We have one titled Unforced Rhythms of Grace. It is from Matthew 11. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. See how I do it. I won't put anything ill-fitting or heavy on you. I will teach you the unforced rhythm of grace. That's another powerful book. And the third one out there is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it is from the book of Revelation, but I promise you, if you've been scared of the book of Revelation, this is the book for you because it will take the fear out. Uh, it's really about uh, the message to the seven churches in Asia, and he's saying to them, you need to change your mind, repent, but it's stuff they need to change their mind about is moving from an old covenant paradigm to a new covenant. There's jump drives out there that are fully loaded. Our whole series on Revelation is out there. Uh, we have a whole lot of jump drives with stuff on there, and there is a stack of white envelopes with a CD in it. They are free samples of our message of the month. You can have those until they are gone. And if you like it and you want to sign up for our message of the month club, it's $7 a month or $70 a year. And with that, that becomes part of our partner base. It helps us touch about 2.1 billion people. So it blesses you and it blesses them as well. We are able to take credit cards and debit cards. So uh, God bless you. Thanks for having me, Chris. And thanks for just giving me the time this morning to share my heart. I believe we're in a season we're going to see the miraculous of God like we've never seen it before. And I think how it has to start is we have to preach it because faith comes by hearing. You've been gracious this morning. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good word. Amen. I just, I just, 
I just encourage you while while we're praying and, and while people are laying hands on you or Brother Lynn said something, if if you feel like something's different in your body, tell somebody near you. Don't don't go out the door without giving a chance to testify and, and like let somebody know how good God is and that He's really real and He does stuff today. So thank you guys for, for hanging in there and for just receiving. I believe God wants to do amazing things through our lives individually, collectively as New Life Fellowship, wherever we go, just like we sang this morning, Jesus, when you walk into the room, everything changes. How many of you know where Jesus lives? Come on. And that means when you walk into the room, He does too. And He wants things to change. Father, we thank You for Your presence in this place this morning. We thank You for Your goodness towards our lives. Lord, I just thank You that You are a good God. All this, all the time, Lord. You never get tired. You never grow weary. You're always pouring out your goodness towards us. God, I ask that you would bless your people now. That as we leave this place, we would leave full of confidence and faith and encouragement. Even as we heard and were exposed to the word this morning. Let it do something to our faith inside of us. Let it rise up, Lord God. Let it, let it come to a greater degree and a greater level in us. God, be with us as we go from this place. Let us be able ministers and carriers of your goodness and your glory everywhere that we go. We just say again that we love you and we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys are are free to go or you're free to hang out as long as you want, but thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Be blessed and have a great afternoon.